Okay, everybody expects us to have an anime podcast. Michael Peters, Justin Charity, at long last, are they podcasting once again about anime? No. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Honestly, this podcast might turn out to be like the Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence movie Life, except neither of us is in prison, and in fact, we're not even taping in the same location. But we will be talking a lot about the millennial life, you know, music, video games, strange stuff from the dark corners of the internet that piques our interest. People think this is going to be, oh, a little topic A, oh, what's topic B, oh, a little, you know, chit-chat. No. Every time you tune into this podcast, we are going to lock you into a room for 45 minutes, and we are going to do criticism. We are going to get to the bottom of every Scooby-Doo mystery that the discourse produces for us each week. Mark my words. Man, that was that was a lot. But anyway, we are excited about it. We are excited. We're excited. We're super excited. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. And this is Sound Only. We're back on August 11th. Catch us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Seriously, guys, I think we have to remember, this is the man. He answers to no one except ownership and God. And he doesn't have to answer to us. We make suggestions, he makes decisions. Look, that's all fine and well, but we've been working our asses off for the last six and a half weeks Brady. to make this ball club better and you're shitting all Brady. over it. This is not a discussion. What are we discussing? Barry, not a discussion. I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And this is The Big Picture, a conversation show about the year 2011. The movie draft is back. After much demand, or maybe at least six people in my mentions, we've decided to bring back the movie draft after my incredible victory over Amanda and Chris in the 2010 movie draft. So I'm very excited to do that. And that means Chris Ryan's here. Hi, Chris. Wait a second. I'm disputing this election. (laughs) When did you hold (laughs) these votes? Check out the internet. Have you seen Twitter.com? But was there the, ever actually the big a poll? Pick? Was there a poll? Yeah, bro. You got torched. Do I have you muted? <laughs> <laughs> Did you mute at the big pick? That's just hurtful. Uh, never. <laughs> no, I, I, I dominated, but, it, you know, it was unfair. And so I think we tweaked the rules a little bit. We're going to have a more formal lottery in this episode. We are going to slightly change the rules a little bit to make this a little bit more entertaining. We listened to the listeners. They, they suggested we make some changes, and I was happy to do so. But before we get into the next movie draft, uh, we got to talk about DC. You guys, you, two huge DC fans I'm joined by, Amanda and Chris. Two of the biggest, really. DC had mm-hmm. quite, a, quite a weekend. They had something called the Fandome, which I know Chris watched all 10 hours of on the live stream. And during the Fandome <laughs> experience... Amanda was actually the only person who got to go to the Fandome like in person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just me, a giant dome built around me. And it's yeah. cool because the mask situation was entirely taken care of because she just has a Batman helmet that she wears. <laughs> <laughs> really exciting. And Amanda, you know, your favorite movie uh, of the last 25 years was Wonder Woman. So we got to see the trailer for Wonder Woman 1984. Yes. I thought it looked pretty good. I got to be honest. I thought all of these trailers looked pretty good. I, I don't have sophisticated take. I was just, I was pleased. And Wonder Woman 84 to start with, pretty good. I agree with the Wonder Woman portion of that sentence. We'll talk about the other trailers later. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. The The last 20 seconds of the trailer when it's Gal Gadot and Chris Pine just like kind of doing their screwball energy and he's like trying on different pants and being like parachute pants. Do a lot of people parachute because, you know, he died in like World War One, but now it's 1984. I'm in. That's great. I give me all of that and less of Kristen Wiig trying to be serious, which is my only concern. Here's the thing. The best part of the of the first Wonder Woman was the comedy. Kristen Wiig, also a comedian. And instead, they're trying to do like very serious stuff. I mean, I understand it's a trailer, so I'm going to stay optimistic. Yeah, Kristen Wiig is playing Cheetah. She's the the villainess, apparently, of, of this installment of Wonder Woman. 
And you know, Chris sidebarred with me after this trailer came out and he said, the one problem with Wonder Woman is there's too many women in this movie. And I was like, Chris, that is offensive. Why would you say that? Do you want to defend yourself here, Chris? Yeah, no, I was just like, why can't we get a Chris Pine Wonder Woman movie? (laughs) Fair's fair. Oh my god. The other trailer that we saw, well we saw four four significant trailers. There was a sort of a featurette around the Suicide Squad, which is James Gunn's forthcoming sort of sequel to David Ayer's 2016 Suicide Squad movie. Some actors have been replaced, for example, the Will Smith character is now going to be played by Idris Elba and there are some characters like Margot Robbie who plays Harley Quinn who will be returning for this film. Obviously, the this featurette goes out of its way to make it clear that this is a James Gunn movie and not a David Ayer movie, and thus maybe will be a little bit more fun, a little bit sweeter, a little bit more lighthearted, but also a little bit, um, I don't know, a little cracked, a little from the Troma Studios world of movie making, and um, it seemed fine. I, you know, I'm, I, I thought I, that the best mo- movie moment of 2020 is Viola Davis in this featurette having to like with a straight face be like <laughs> you think you're ready and then it just changes directions <laughs> yeah i i don't know how much i'm sure we'll spend plenty of time on the suicide squad when it comes out but these fandom events and this is obviously this fandom experience is very inspired by d23 and what disney has done and then comic-con before that and there's an attempt to kind of brand manage aggressively and they dc kind of screwed the brand with Suicide Squad the first time around, a film that had many reshoots and was not received very well, even though it made a lot of money. And so this is a, a full-time rebranding of what I guess is an important property for them. I'm not, I'm not terribly interested in it. The next movie I am very interested in, that movie's called The Batman. I knew exactly what we were going to get here. I knew exactly what Matt Reeves was going to do. I had a very good feel for the kind of noirish dark detective version of the Batman story. They have been seeding this information to us through the trades. A a gritty take on Batman? A gritty take on (laughs) Batman. There is not a surprising thing in this trailer. And yet, I was like, feed it to me immediately. Please put the movie inside me. I want to watch it right now. Chris, I assume you enjoyed this. Hell yeah. Yeah. We we need fucking movies back, man. I was just saying this to Andy. I was like, I don't have like a very elegant take on this other than why can't I see this four times in a summer? Yes. Please, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and that's really what it's supposed to do. I mean, Amanda, I don't. You're not the biggest Batman fan in the world, but I, I, I have to assume you were just like, it would be great to just watch this movie right now. Yes, this movie and Wonder Woman. I was just like, show it to me. Like, I, I have some questions, but also show it to me. But if I could air one of the questions, what what are we doing with Rob Pattinson's hair as Bruce Wayne? Like, I just that it's a choice. And, but it feels like he's a weird Victorian character. I'm not totally, or like, you know, English schoolboy. That That's interesting to me. I don't know what to make of it. That's your, so you went Bob Pattinson's hair, not Paul Dano wrapped up in tape. Well, I couldn't see that it was Paul Dano. <laughs> can, we, can we just explore the Colin Farrell situation a little bit and what's really going on there? So it appears that Colin Farrell's playing the Riddler and he appears no, he's the to penguin. be where, Paul Dano, the is the, Paul Dano oh, is Paul Dano. Paul Dano is the Riddler. Yeah. Okay. So why why is Colin Farrell covered in um, latex? Why is he unrecognizable? I yeah, I think Amanda's got to take that one. Amanda, tackle it. <laughs> Get into do deep penguin Guys, more. I literally didn't know who any of the people in the trailer were behind, besides Robert Pattinson, and that and was like Clive Owen talking at one point. No, that's Andy Circus. Oh, okay. Well, it sounded yeah. like Clive Owen, and I was really excited, and I'm disappointed to learn and that it's not Zoe him. Zoe is Catwoman. Zoe Kravitz yep, is Zoe Catwoman. Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. Okay. That looks great. I, this was the other thing, is that I watched it on my computer in broad daylight, and it, it is quite literally dark, and I a lot of things I just couldn't really see what was going on. Not meant for home viewing, which is fine by me. You know, one thing that's happening right now is everyone thinks they're a movie genius about movie trailers, and we've been able to identify all of the ticks. You know, the pop song that is played in a more dramatic fashion, the uh, the way that there's pa- the pacing, the the Hans Zimmer esque bong moment, and every you know the the dramatic line reading at the end of the trailer. This trailer takes every single one of those moves and puts them on steroids, and I w- I wasn't bothered by it at all. As soon as the Nirvana song started playing, I was like, fuck, let's do it. I'm fine with this. Let's They've just also do it. only shot 25% of this movie, right? <laughs> yes. 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 And production is supposed to restart, I think, imminently. I think in the month of September, right? Yeah, I would imagine so. So are they, sh- and they're shooting this in London, right? Yeah. Yes. And the weird or thing about were. it is this actually is a Victorian drama set in the 1700s. So it's weird <laughs> that they've shown us. <laughs> surprising that they decided to go in this direction for the trailer. But um, 
yeah, I, I just feel like if you were interested in this before, you could not have walked away from that trailer and felt like, eh, actually, I think I'll pass on that one. I also just think if you are interested in movies at all, part of the reason that we're all like, sure, whatever, it looks like a great movie because we haven't had any trailers even. And I, and I do feel like this is indicative of just like the wave of excitement once we can actually start seeing new things. There's going to be a real grace period for a lot of movies to honestly like be bad or mediocre or have things that don't totally work. And we'll just be like, yes, movies. The I funny thing is, agree. is that just the last thing I'll say about Batman, and we can, we can talk about justice league if you want, but like I, for a long time with superhero franchises, if you were going to do, if you were going to restart a franchise, it was like, well, what's your take? What's the new take you're going to have on this? And it turns out with Batman, you don't need to have a new take. Batman works. The, the dark Knight worked. Just keep making dark Knight. Just make them make that the James Bond and just make a gritty Batman movie every three years. I'm completely fine with it. I think it might potentially have the problem that some of the Joel Schumacher movies had, which is like, there's too many villains here. It's like a Spider-Man 3 problem where if we're getting confused about which villain is the real villain. According to Colin Farrell, issue. he's not in this movie that much. Like He's like, I don't really have a lot to do in this one. Is that just because they haven't actually shot the movie yet? Or he doesn't know? <laughs> Let's talk about Justice League. So later this week, we're doing something on the big picture and, and the watch that we've been wanting to do for a while. We're doing a crossover pod. The four of us are going to get together. We're going to do a pod together. Andy will be joining us. And this we decided to do this before the Justice League Snyder Cut trailer arrived. And what we learned was that this was going to be four hours carved into four individual one-hour episodes of Justice League. And then we got to look at the trailer. And it turns out it's still just Justice League. It's just Zack Snyder. It's I mean it's the same. It's the same stuff. It's it's not maybe not the same shots, but the energy is a Zack Snyder movie, and it's not radically different in any meaningful way. There obviously is going to be a new villain and a lot of new CGI added to this story. But you know, Amanda, you you noticed this right off. This, this trailer is set to. Hallelujah, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> so I, I didn't watch this trailer until this morning. I Believe it or not, I didn't stop my weekend for the fandom, despite being in the fandom. But um, So I, I slacked Sean and I was like, is Hallelujah seriously in this trailer? Like, is this a joke? Did I click the wrong link? And Sean informed me that it was not a joke. But so lol, number one, I can't tell whether it like, this is a troll and whether they know that it's a, it's funny and it's going to kind of get all of our like backs up to, to include this particular song in the trailer. And if it is a troll, I kind of respect it. I think it's it a is little funny. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because, because it's so unimaginative at this point, but the effect with the old justice league footage cut together and this song is like it really does look like one of those fan tribute videos yes. that you find on it's YouTube. Exactly right. <laughs> like that someone is just like, these are my favorite moments of Justice League. And isn't this a beautiful sp song that speaks to the meaning of it's, I mean, what a choice. It's like the, the it's those YouTube videos that are like Clark and Lois, a love story yes. forever. <laughs> yes. And then it's like playing Bon Iver over like Amy Adams shots. <laughs> but it's like, what if he, that it, what if a what massive fan movement produced a four-hour action movie, and that's what they came up with? I, I, I'm just blown away. I'll save my takes for Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just put a pin in that for just. I can't believe how much we have, and we'll continue to talk about the Snyder Cut. It is a remarkable. I, it feels actually like God's troll job, you know, for for serious movie <laughs> yeah. watchers. Nevertheless, it is coming in 2021 to HBO Max. So let's go back in time. Let's go back nine years. Let's go back to 2011. Let's try to put ourselves in place. Where were we? Where was I in 2011? I was still living in the city of New York. We all I were. Was, mm -hmm. I, we were all living in New York. We were avid movie watchers, but we were not movie content creators. And we were probably, this is probably the last time we experienced, well, Amanda, you might have been in, 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 in blog phase here. I was in blog phase. Which, you were in blog like, phase. Yeah played a pivotal role in my 2011 experience. I was telling Chris this already, and I, I won't turn this into like a sentimental, like personal 2011 podcast movie, but 2011 in movies was maybe not a great year for movies. We can discuss that further. 
But for me, I it's the year that I met my husband at a series of press screenings because he was also in the movie Black Phase. And so I have memories of a lot of these very bad movies that mean a lot to me because like I awkwardly had to sit next to Zach at J. Edgar. And we didn't really know each other and had an awkward conversation. And then we saw J. Edgar, which was a tough break for everyone involved. Uh, Hugo is another one that I remember seeing with my now husband. Um, So I was there and the movies were definitely like a part of my professional life. But I was also just kind of I was transitioning into making them a part of my professional and I guess personal life. CR, what was what were movies in 2011 for you? What do you think of when, when I say that year? This When I look at the list of movies that came out this year and remember all of these movies that I saw in theaters, it really made me um, warm and nostalgic towards the replacement level movie. Like the movie that was just okay. And even if the movie was disappointing, you were like, that was fine. That was your highness. That, that, was, that was horrible bosses. I laughed or whatever. And for some reason, I feel like movies now are a little bit more worried over, you know? I mean, even even the things that are supposed to be popcorn entertainments, I think maybe this is a product of how we talk about movies and the podcasts that we do, where we're like, oh, but what does this mean for Warner Media's 20-year plan if they can't make Joker or Batman work here? And it's like, I don't know, this was like a very big year for movies about middle-class squares doing deplorable shit to one another, and I just kind of went and saw a bunch of them in the theater. Yeah, I think we'll talk about that. I think the idea of the replacement level movie is really interesting. And we've been talking, obviously, over the last few years on the show about the erosion of the middle class of movies. And this does feel like kind of an end point in many ways. And there's a reason for that. First and foremost, though, I I really think of this as one of the most treacherous Oscar years of of the century. The movies that are nominated for Best Picture here, some of which have been canceled, some of which are outright bad some of which have co- very complicated and problematic hit, uh, relationships now to the to contemporary world. I mentioned The Help. The Artist, obviously, was the Best Picture winner, which, in addition to just being like not really that terribly interesting a movie, was one of the last great, quote-unquote, great Harvey Weinstein jobs during the Oscars, where he pushed this movie relentlessly. When you've got Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, then you've got Woody Allen's Midnight in Paris, and now Alexander Payne, who's come under fire after an accusation by Rose McGowan last week and the descendants this was kind of his one of his big Oscar moments and so you look back at this collection of movies and especially relative to some what Chris is saying that there were a lot of kind of fun middle of the road dramas that are frankly better than a lot of the movies that were nominated for best picture and it just seems like an odd an odd thing to look back on and it just kind of reveals like how weak the Oscars can be and how kind of managed and overmanaged it, it turns out to be sometimes. This is the fewest amount of uh, Oscar nominated. Like this year, I think I saw the fewest amount of the nominated movies. Like I still don't think I ever saw The Artist. I wouldn't recommend it. But you were big into Albert Knobs. I remember that. <laughs> That's and, true. Uh, <laughs> and, and Amanda, you mentioned Hugo, which, you know, I think it, that also dovetails with something interesting that was happening this year, which is it's not really the best year for the best filmmakers we have. You know, we got two Steven Spielberg movies this year in War Horse and Tintin, which are just not my favorite Steven Spielberg movies. Uh, we got We Bought a Zoo mm-hmm. from Cameron Crowe. Wow. Got- I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. Speaking of being a, a blog content creator in 2011, We Bought a Zoo. What a gift. I will never forget every single bit of information about the film We Bought a Zoo and the blog posts that I wrote about it. So thank you to them, if not for the film itself. What about my week with Marilyn? Did you like that? No. It was no. It's not, it's it's not not particularly memorable. Amanda, do you consider the dilemma second tier, Howard? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I know that you're currently working on your Tashin book about him, so I was curious where whether where he kind of where where the dilemma kind of lands. I think that that's an accurate placement, yes. Guys, Ron Howard is a friend of this podcast. Please be careful. I like Ron Howard. Chris. We you, love Ron do you Howard. Fucking Are you rock kidding? with the dilemma? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I mean, this is the year that when John Favreau made Cowboys and Aliens. Like things were not yeah. going. Things were not going well this year for a variety of reasons. J. Edgar, obviously, that might be the worst Clint Eastwood movie. And that's, you know, he's made a lot of films over the years. But on the flip side, this is a, a mega IP year. This is 
this is kind of, I feel like I'm going to say this in every year that we do for the movie draft, but this is the first year where there are two Marvel movies, Thor and Captain America. And obviously that sets the template for what movies are going to be in the future. And then you also have the end of Harry Potter and you have Sherlock Holmes and Fast and Furious and Mission Impossible and Planet of the Apes and Twilight and Transformers and X-Men. All of those franchises had a movie in this year. Now, on the one hand, that meant it was a strong box office year and a a weak Oscar year. But on the other hand, I don't know what that means for the purposes of this draft. I don't think that necessarily helps us. I feel like last year there was a real, 2010, I mean, was a real dearth of blockbusters under the last minute rules that Sean applied and <laughs> uh, which was making a hundred million dollars domestic. And it was like, it was really slim pickings even within the IP world. This, and, and also because you had to um, keep some for sequels as well, you know, so you were kind of torn between sequels and blockbusters. I do think that there's a little bit more to choose from this year in those two categories, which is great, but it does mean that some of the other categories are much tougher. For example, comedy. Yeah, and there is one extremely notable, massive, and important comedy from this year, which is Bridesmaids. And then after that, it's rough. So there may be, maybe we'll have a bit of a war for Bridesmaids, depending on how the lottery shakes out. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, any other, any other 2011 notes you want to make before we start getting into our picks? No, I mean, I think we could probably do a whole other podcast about what these movies reflected about, like, the tenor of the country because you know we're we're fl- fully into like the Obama era and there you know, we've made kind of side comments on different pods here and there about like the o- Obama Obama tent like Obama era content and like how it kind of felt breezier perhaps like not necessarily it it just felt like a little bit more lighter on its feet I think in a lot of ways in some in some of these movies and especially the Hollywood movies here seem to be just like a lot of let's just try to capture the super bad vibe, you know, but like apply it to Jason Bateman, apply it to Adam Sandler, apply it to this, apply it to that. Like let's kind of have a little bit more of a hard PG 13 or softer R sensibility to the comedy. And then they, they kind of vanish after this. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know what accounts for that. I don't think it's necessarily because we still, we've got four more years of Obama after this, you know, it's not as if that is changing specifically, but it just seems like there's a calculation around conventional studio comedies. Like they're not going to work as well. And so we're not going to make as many. And maybe it's because so many of them bombed this year, Arthur, and I don't know how she does it and the big year and 30 minutes or less and hall pass. And what's your number? Like all these movies that could have been hits. Mildly horny. Yeah. Yeah, but just they're yeah. just not hits and they're 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 trying to do things that there's something about Mary or when Harry met Sally or uh I don't even leave the weapon we're doing in the past and they're just not able to pull them off. So it's an interesting relic year in a lot of ways and it's there's a, some evolution that comes in the mainstream movie world afterwards. Let's let's go to the lottery. Wags, you you devised the scheme here to create a more perfect union among the three of us. So what what are we doing? How are we doing this? Hi, guys. Well, it, it seemed like last time people didn't really understand the rules even while we were doing it, and it was kind of hard to explain over a podcast. So this time I've gone with the old draw shit out of a hat, which is as okay. close to a lottery as I can okay. get in quarantine okay. in my apartment here. Bobby, um, can I just say really quickly, it's okay if you want to admit this on the pod that your favorite movie of 2011 is actually The Rock announcing that we got Bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> God, I forgot about that. Did he do that on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is my favorite movie. That's my favorite movie of all time. Uh, so what I've done is I've, I've taken some Scrabble tiles of each of your initials, S or F, A or D, C or R. You have you each have nine options in this hat here, this Mets hat here, which some okay. might think is Sean Fennessy bias, but is actually a bad omen for Sean. Um, Sean's and about to put them in here. Out. And I'm going to shake it up a little bit and I'm going to draw them out. And we'll just go the first draw is one, second draw is two. And then whoever's last is last. Okay. And we're still doing Snake, right? We're still doing Snake, yes. I just want to send you one note, which is don't fuck me on this, Bobby, okay? Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great audio work. Oh, I just want to show you that they actually are in there, everyone, you guys. So. Oh, yes. We can see them. All right. We believe after, you. Really after this, Bobby's going to do a, like, a punch-in vocal, and he's gonna, it's going to be like Sarah Koenig voice, where he's like, I'm Bobby Wagner. This I is the sound the of me <laughs> shaking a Mets hat. 
The first letter is oh, R. Wow. So that oh, means wow. CR. The frog sheriff. Chris yes. Ryan up first. CR. Uh, the people demanded it. Okay. And going second in the 2011 movie draft is going to be A, Amanda Dobbins. Okay. That's eh, all right. Sean, sec- third is better than second. So I didn't fuck you I, on this. I'm is. sorry. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I'm, I'm content. I'm content. I, I wanted, love the but... idea of Chris picking at number one. We this is like this has Anthony Bennett to the Cavs <sighs> potential, and I'm really excited about it. But it doesn't because I, I like we all know what it's going to be. So I just want to make, make it clear: the one thing that we wanted to change here was we're not going to pick in order by category. We're just going to pick any movie that we want and make sure that we have six films that fit the six categories. That's something that a lot of people asked for after we did this. They felt that we were very foolish, me specifically, in the design of this draft. So the six categories that we need to fill out throughout our draft are drama, comedy and horror, blockbuster, which as Amanda mentioned, you must earn $100 million at the domestic box office to qualify, animated and foreign language films, a wild card category, and a sequel category, but they can be picked in any order. They don't have to go in that order. So, Chris, you can look with the first pick at the totality of films released in 2011 and decide which direction you want to go in. Make so, it's my, so I'm, I'm up. I'm on the clock. I'm just going to take like a dramatic pause here to look. Okay, great. That's Sc- also great audio. So, great wait, good job. I want to ask a question. Chris has recorded oh 50 Chris, million hours Chris, of podcasts and he wants Chris, to take he, dramatic pauses. No, I want to ask a question about genre designation. Is it personal or like, is, that, is this just like how I'm categorizing something? No. Okay. Chris, Chris, what does that you mean? have the, Chris, you have the number I'm one pick. A num- the number one pick is, is Moneyball. There yeah, we go. Okay, money. thank you. Duh. And it's for drama, I guess. Yes, it is for drama, correct. Moneyball has been selected by Chris Ryan. That's yeah. uh, that's a good pick. That's one might say that's chalk. That is the Anthony Davis pick, and there's yes. no shame there. Chris. Yeah, Moneyball out of uh, University of Kentucky, you know, and it's 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 obvious. I think it's probably the most beloved movie between the three of us this year. Um, we've talked a lot about it, you know, and it's also probably the movie from 2011 that I've watched the most, and that has gotten better and better over the years. Amanda, you're up, number two. Yeah. Uh, so I just for the record, I would have taken Moneyball if I had the number one pick, but uh, that's OK. I'm glad I went to my friend, Chris Ryan. I'm glad that Chris also now knows what a drama is. Um, I will be taking uh, Bridesmaids in the comedy category, as mentioned or foreshadowed by Sean. This was a huge hit and also a very big deal in the comedy world and also depending on who you talk to in terms of women of being allowed to be in movies, uh, which I am in support of despite jokes that have been made on this podcast. Um, I, I just, I do also enjoy this movie. I think it's very funny and certainly rewatchable. And, um, I love anything that, uh, definitely makes fun of the wedding industrial complex is also good on female friendship. And a lot of people and Kristen Wiig doing comedy. Thank you, Kristen Wiig. Do more comedy. Thank you. I would say a, a perfect pick. You know, this has put me in put me in a little bit of a bind. This is a snake draft, so I will have picks three and four, and then we'll go back to Amanda and then back to Chris. Chris, are you still feeling okay about Moneyball, knowing that it's going to be a few more picks before it gets back to you? Yeah, I'm okay. This is a deep deep bench, deep year. Are you, no is regrets it? about not not picking Warhorse? No? Okay. I, for my first pick, I'm going to take Captain America, the first adventure. What ca- what category are you putting that in? Blockbuster? This category goes into Blockbuster. Okay. I think this is the most important Marvel movie of its time for a very specific reason, which actually Amanda and I talked about on a podcast once upon a time, which it it created the opportunity to do origin stories in a way that was coherent and also a period piece and and led fairly seamlessly into the Avengers, which then next year, I think, will be the prized pony in the next movie draft in a lot of ways. Beloved movie that is actually pretty good. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going Captain America, the first Avenger movie I like. My second pick, this is challenging. What do you do? Do you go with drama? Do you go with comedy horror? Do you go with animated foreign language? I'm going with drama. And I think that 
It's a loose definition of drama, but it is a drama. And the movie I'm picking is The Raid. You motherfucker. That's right. Chris got boxed out. You picked a foreign film for your drama? Yeah. You're calling The Raid a drama? Yeah. Chris, you... I am with you. I support you. You and I are united. And I just need you to start I'm thinking focused. bigger. No, th- you're fixated on the categories, my friend. And I love you. And it can be whatever you want it to be. Like, hasn't 40-something years of being a white male told you that? Just embrace it. <laughs> just there are no boundaries. You say what genre a movie is, okay? There you go. So, Amanda, you're up. Yeah. I've got I've got the raid in Captain America. So I'm yes. I'm repping for all my film Twitter bros. Shout out to those bros. Okay. Um I am repping for people with taste in this. It will be in the sequels <laughs> category and I am taking Fast 5. Yes. Yes I am. Um, so what happens in Fast 5? They drag a fucking safe through Rio de Janeiro. Oh, okay? okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the great movies and you know, it's like the um, Fast and the Furious franchise more as like a, a heist movie as much as it is a car chase movie. Though, again, they use cars to drag the safe through Rio. And I enjoy this movie very much. Chris, you're up. For my second pick, I'm going to pick a wild card and it's going to be Haywire. Okay. Which wow. is Steven Soderbergh's take on the spy thriller starring Gina Carano, and it is so fucking good. This movie is still so great. The soundtrack by David Holmes is one of my favorite scores ever. Co-stars Antonio Banderas, Michael Douglas, Ewan McGregor. Uh, who else is in this? Fassbender. Just an incredible scene mm-hmm. with Fassbender. And uh, was a two-for-year for Soderbergh. Just an incredibly productive, incredibly rewarding year from the guy who might be our collective favorite director, favorite working director. And yeah, it's just like, what if Soderbergh just made a globetrotting born movie starring a, a female MMA fighter? It's fantastic. So I'll take Haywire a second. So Amanda. you have Moneyball and Haywire? Yeah. Okay. CR has another pick. Yes. So for... Dramatic pause. Deep so for com- comedy horror, a little bit of a curveball from me. But a, a, a shout out to a filmmaker we lost recently. I'm going to pick your sister's sister for comedy. Oh, oh, that's so a nice uh, pick. Lynn Shelton movie. Sorry, Emily Blunt. It was like a really interesting moment for Emily Blunt, where she had obviously started to become like a big movie star, but decided to do this very small film with Mark Duplass and and Rosemary Dewitt. And it's uh, set in Orcas Island out in Seattle, uh, and is just like this really, really, really heartwarming, sweet human. Uh, comedy drama that like Lynn Shelton was so great at. So I, th- I figured I'd get that one while I was still there. That's a very nice pick. Sentimental, is, th- yeah. thoughtful, decent, and an incredibly bad strategy. So congrats <laughs> to you, Chris. But I, Chris, I do like that you have a very you list. Yeah, thus so far. far I'm happy with my list. Uh, you, having, you having Haywire is, is important for you. <laughs> um, my next pick will be in the drama category. It is also directed by Steven Soderbergh and it's a film called Contagion. Um, Amanda, have which, you watched... When's the last time you watched Contagion? Did you feel yeah, like... So I watched it a few weeks ago. I watched it before um, we, Sean and I did the Top 5 Apocalypse movies, um, which we talked about Contagion on our Top 5 Apocalypse movies. So, and, and I... Thanks for listening the, to the big picture, Chris, for fuck's yeah. sake. Um, it's fine. He has a lot of podcasts. <laughs> but Chris, since you didn't listen, I'll summarize that convo for you. It was interesting to watch Contagion, like three or four months into the pandemic. I know that both you and Sean rewatched it at the very beginning. I think yeah, in March like day two. for rewatchable. Yeah, yeah for yeah. rewatchables, which, um, you know, I understand a lot of people did. And that was like a very smart content making decision and shout out the rewatchables and go listen to that. I was way too freaked out to watch it at the beginning. I, that's kind of not how I cope with anxiety. But it, I wouldn't say that it was reassuring. In fact, it was not reassuring. There are certain elements about the last third of Contagion that having watched it a few months in, I was just like, yikes. But it was interesting in a compare and contrast Mm -hmm. situation, which again, Contagion is, though extremely well-researched, obviously written by Scott C. Burns um, and Steven Soderbergh gave an interview recently where he was talking about calling all his epidemiologist friends in January to see how bad it's going to be. So we trust, I 
I trust Steven, obviously, as everyone knows, but it's fiction. So comparing real life to contagion is not responsible, um, but was at least illuminating. And I would recommend it. Also, it's it's just a great movie. It is a great movie. Uh, you guys have just, I, I just can't believe you didn't shank me on this. You've given me extraordinary opportunity here with two consecutive picks, and I'm going to take the opportunity. <laughs> My first pick is, to my mind, I think really the only genuinely great horror movie from that year. You can make the case for Insidious. You could make the case for your next two movies I like a lot. But I think The Cabin in the Woods is the best horror movie of 2011. One of my favorite movies, honestly, of the decade. And this is Drew Goddard's, I don't know, sort of meta adaptation of all horror movies in many ways. It's like a game theory movie. It's a puzzle movie. It's a monster movie. It's a haunted house movie. It's everything that you can imagine. And I think it's brilliant. So I'm taking that for comedy horror. And then I, I just can't believe you guys left Rango for me. I, I just cannot believe that Rango. Of course we went you can. Um, Amanda was trying picks. to talk me into taking Rango first. I did. Yeah. By the way, so we conspired against you over text of yesterday. Of course you we were did. Planning. You fucking yeah. ghouls. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, and I was like, Chris, you should absolutely take Rango immediately, um, to try to, it's fine. Good luck. Congratulations. What's it's, I still don't know what it's about besides the jokes that Chris makes. It's about a, a chameleon who is, okay. uh, just looking for his way, you know, just looking for his place in the world, you know, just like okay. all of us, we're all just changing, trying to elegantly make our way through the American West. Just like, just like Chris. <laughs> Uh, so those are my two picks, the cabin in the woods and Rango. I feel, I feel good about them. And okay. I've got four categories knocked out. Amanda, you've got three, so you've got to make a fourth pick. Sean, wait, so can you just tell me your four again? Certainly. Uh, for the drama category, I have the raid for mm-hmm. comedy horror. I have the cabin in the woods mm-hmm. for blockbuster. I have captain America, the first Avenger and mm-hmm. for animated or foreign language. I have Rango. This is just some real deep letterbox stuff from you. So you have sequels and. Wild card and wild card and And Chris, you have what do you have left? I have foreign or animated and uh and sequels. Chris couldn't help himself and used his wild card on his third pick, which is just you know if you're if you're looking at the Doyle Brunson guide to movie drafts, you guys don't understand how this works. I pick what's in my heart. I pick what's in my heart. I'm not gonna get like cowed by like like I'm not mad that I didn't get Rango. Yeah. You're like Brett Brown. You know, you have a lot in common with Brett. uh, I'm just, I'm thinking through this right now. So I'm going to pick right now. And I have, what do I have left? I have Wild Card. I have Blockbuster. And I have Animated Foreign left. And then Chris will make his last two picks. Right. That's right. And you have sequels and Wild Card, Chris, right? No, I have sequels and Blockbusters, I believe. Oh, great. Okay. Um, So... I will then, I'm going to do animated form and I'm going to take a separation. Um, Good one. The Asgar Fahardi um, drama that I believe it did win the best uh, international language feature at the Academy Awards and is a, a, a emotional and provocative film. And I recommend it. Great pick. One, probably the best foreign language film made that year. Yeah. Before we get to the next pick, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Today's episode of The Big Picture is brought to you by Blue Moon. Don't you think some once in a blue moon moments should happen more than once in a blue moon? Me personally, I like to have a nice blue moon sitting out on the porch, relaxing, not thinking about the stress and strain of, say, recording a podcast. Blue Moon is on a mission to celebrate and inspire more of those moments. And with the new Blue Moon Light Sky, you can enjoy the same crisp citrus flavor you expect from Blue Moon with a fraction of the calories and less than four grams of carbs. It's light and refreshing, perfect for summertime sipping. Blue Moon is crafted with a -a one-of-a-kind appearance and taste. It's best when garnished with the signature orange wheel to accentuate its natural citrus aromas. The next time you are out with friends or just enjoying a night in, reach for a Blue Moon. It's the beer you can enjoy every day. You can have a Blue Moon delivered by going to get.bluemoonbeer.com and finding delivery options near you. Blue Moon. Reach for the moon. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company. Golden, Colorado Ale. So, Chris, you're up. You've got two picks in front of you. Okay, so I have to pick. Let, let me go. So I, right now I have Moneyball for drama, Haywire for wildcard, Your Sister's Sister for comedy horror. Okay? I need to pick a blockbuster 
and a sequel. This is really interesting. So what I'm going to do then... Oh, no, wait. What happened to... Don't I have to pick animated foreign? You have animated foreign, blockbuster, and sequel. Oh, so I have three picks left. Yeah. Oh, so it'll come back to you. Got it. It will come back to you at the end. For blockbuster, I'm going to take True Grit. That's a 2010 film, Chris. For blockbuster... It's good though. You you took My the bad. lessons to heart of dreaming big. I love it. I wonder if I can get away with this. You're looking at the box office and not the release date. Good point. Sean, you got great points. Yeah, Sean, it's really fun to compete with you. And you know, this is why I want you on my team. I want to be on a team with you guys. I think I have a lot to offer as a teammate <laughs> as opposed to a competitor. I've been trying mm-hmm. to make this a, this trio a powerful team for years. Okay. Instead, but what are we going to compete in? <laughs> I mean, we just played Cinephile for a good cause last That's week. True. What happened? We that fucking won. Yeah. We that won. Did you, did you win an individual match in that game? Did just, I? Yeah. No, all you do is give. All you do That's is right. give. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I'm a teammate. Unless it's you versus me, in which case you're dead. So I'm going to pick my sequel, and it's going to be Ghost Protocol. Mm. That's a good one. It's Good not pick. my favorite Mission Impossible movie. It's got one of the most the signature stunts of the Mission Impossible films, but it opened up the doors again to this franchise. Is this um, the Burj Khalifa stunt? Yeah, yeah it's, it's that Brad, is a great one, Brad Bird. So, um, it's really also a fascinating little snapshot of like Jeremy Renner again, just like going up for a dunk and like smashing the ball off the rim, where like he thinks he's going to get a <laughs> franchise. And it's just like, what a fascinating career for that guy where he was supposed to be Ethan Hunt and didn't become that. He was supposed to be born and made a great born movie, but did not become born and was Hawkeye. And Hawkeye spends most of the movies kind of being like, hey guys, meet my wife. And that's it. Um, so I'm going to go boat gross protocol for my sequel. That's a good pick. You have another pick now. What I know, do you do? I know what I should do but I got to do what I want to do. So for animated foreign language, I'm going to take Oslo August 31st. Wow. Which is Joachim Trier's uh, movie about a recovering addict uh, released from a rehab center, walking around Oslo and sort of reliving sort of big moments from his life. It is very, very depressing, but it is depressing in a way that's different than most movies about drug addiction. And um, if you haven't seen it, got to check it out. The kind of, the less I say about it, the better, but it is an absolutely beautiful movie. Chris, um, that's a real bummer pick, bro. I gotta say, <laughs> you really you, you really brought the you brought the bummer energy to this draft. And and I appreciate the sincerity. And I, I also understand that you don't want to choose, say, Kung Fu Panda 2, right? Yeah, right. And, and Amanda doesn't want to pick, you know, Happy Feet 2 or Nomeo and Juliet. Even though, Chris, I know you've logged Nomeo and Juliet six or seven times on Letterboxd yes. in the last yes. uh, since the <laughs> pandemic started. But, uh, Amanda, you have two more picks, right? Yes, I do. Um, and I'm going to do my wild card now because I don't trust you, Sean. So I will be taking Melancholia in the wild card. Um, you got it. By you got it. Way to go, Let's yeah. do a little bit. Amanda, this was Amanda's. Yeah. I have to have this. This was, I mean, this and was you my waited somewhere. so late for it. It's true. And I, I almost did it earlier, but then we talked through the strategy live on this podcast, which I'm told is how all drafts work in the professional space. So thank you for that. And I, I also, Chris, I want you to know that even if you'd had wildcard left, I trust you to not, um, I, I, I would have waited anyway because I trust you, but I don't trust Sean. Uh, so I'm taking, Yeah. Can I show you something? I'm going to share my screen quickly and you can sure. see yeah. in, in my list. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I where mean, I was headed. I have my number one pick in wild card, which I still have open was Melancholia. So good on yeah. you, Amanda. This, in addition to being um, a, a, a sentimental pick for me, which is a weird thing to say, but uh, Chris, if you would like to listen to our uh, top five apocalypse movies podcast, you can learn about that. Um I I just what like a beautiful movie and a and a movie that I have I rewatched for that podcast and have been thinking about so much. I mean, also just kind of like obviously visually beautiful. Um, that prologue and also kind of 
what his vision of the end of the world looks like. I mean, if we have to go through it, let's have it look like that. That's that would be my vote anyway. So I'm I'm pleased that I got melancholia. I'm happy for you. I still feel like I'm in the driver's seat. And that's because I've got two picks left. How can you hear what me and Amanda just said? And then you're just like, the most important takeaway is that I am winning. I'm like, what an amazing portrait of recovering from heroin addiction. And Amanda's like, what an amazing movie about the way we're all feeling about the end of the world. And you're just like, I am winning. I am the best. Also, like you're lying. You, I just took a pick from you. Like you don't want to admit defeat, but I am a brilliant strategic mind and I took a pick from you. So there you go. I am the winner. Continue. It must be wonderful to live in that fantasy world that you occupy, okay. Amanda. That must be sure. glorious for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I still feel good where I'm at. One, I get to choose a sequel that I authentically like and think is really well made and stands up. And that's X-Men First Class which I think is... That's not a sequel. That's starting the series again. What are you talking about? It's not starting the series again. Yes, isn't it? It's like a whole new X-Men that they start again. And it's like first... Yeah, it starts it again. It's a prequel, but it's related to the same films. But so we're counting like... It's not a reboot. It's not a reboot. Okay. I, because no, because Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen f- appear in the later films. It's part of the same <laughs> constellation. Okay, you don't, I, this you is something you know yourself, you don't want to challenge me on. I, but I am actually just saying, in terms of them introducing like a, the the main characters who are Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy, and they have a whole new um, group of people playing those playing those roles. Mm-hmm. And then they go on to do a series with those actors as the main stars. So I would argue that this is the first in this particular, like reboot, whatever. Um, I'm just saying you you can take it on your on your technicality, but I when don't know, was man. the last time you watched Days of Future Past? Mm, did you watch that for Apocalypse movies too? <laughs> <laughs> because in that movie, you can see. That they're this is part of the same universe. The actors, some actors are playing younger versions of themselves, but this is not a re, this is not a Spider Man situation where you've got an Andrew Garfield Spider Man and that is not the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. This is the same world. So X Men First Class fits. I'm very sorry to break that to you. Okay. My, I, my I, that's you, fine. you protest? Are you are you will you allow I, this draft to continue? Yeah, I mean, you win however you want to win, Sean. I hope you feel good about it. I'm not cheating. I wouldn't cheat. I wouldn't cheat with this group of people ever. Okay. I believe in integrity. I believe in following the rules. You Uh, keep telling yourself You believe in in hosting the servers for these elections on (laughs) SeanFennessy.com? Hosted on a server farm in Minsk? Yeah. If if I want to use RT.com to share my movie takes, I will. I will use it. RT boxed? (laughs) Can that wait? Can I ask a question about X-Men First Class? Yeah. Just to elaborate on Amanda's question, Days of Future Past comes out in 2014, though. So, like, what movie was it following? What movie was X-Men First Class following in the hmm. sequel Interesting definition? point, Bob. Yeah. Well, it's it's a prequel, but it's prequels fall under sequels. <laughs> it's but when it came out, would it be considered a, a sequel? To just what, ki- though? Just say, like, the category is not an origin story, prequels. right? It's, a, it's an origin story starting the new phase, at, like, the the new installments of X-Men IMO, but that's fine. It's a prequel. We should just like make a t-shirt with that. That's your new campaign slogan, Sean. (laughs) He's so mad. He looks really mad right now. You guys can't see it. It's not quite as bad as Rango, but like his nostrils are now flaring a bit. And he's just like, like, how dare you rise up against me? Yeah. Are you guys done? Remember when you fired us off this podcast after Deacons? Yeah, but I am I am like I'm like George Steinbrenner and you guys are like Billy Martin. I just can't quit you. You know, I just okay. I want you out and then I want you back and I don't know, I just can't get past it. Okay. So I'm glad you're here. This is okay. the fourth, no, the fifth X-Men movie for the record. X-Men, X2, X-Men, The Last Stand, X-Men We know X-Men there are other Origins, X-Men. Yeah, I understand that other people have played this you know, Magneto. And, yeah, it's not a sequel. It's I, I would argue that it is like a Spider-Man situation. But 
you are apparently just going to run away with this and set your own rules. And so uh, there we go, I guess. I, this really does feel like you're you're trying to make me like James Comey or something. And I, I resent it. I just, <laughs> okay. I resent it. I really, I've made a really choice. wish that you had not stayed up watching all of that <laughs> miniseries, by the way, because like all you do now is talk about James Comey. But well, and also apparently you're also learning from him and making weird decisions. Listen, it's up to you. You have to live with yourself. I actually quite liked First Class. Um, it was a big year for Michael Fassbender, 2011, in retrospect. Was. That That was fun. I wish he still made movies. Sean is kind of um, like Gre- Greenwald in the way like Andy will be like, did you guys ever see that movie Burning? That was great, like three years later. <laughs> but he's like that with James Comey. He's like, did you guys, did you guys know about this Comey guy? <laughs> uh, I just want to go back to, it was a big year for Michael Fassbender and just make a shame joke. I feel like there, oh, yeah. you just, you just oh, yeah. teed me right up there. there. For, yeah. okay. We're not done the draft, right? We're not done. Um, <laughs> I have another here? pick. I have Wait, another Chris, pick. Are you it's, doing, I, do you have like 10 minutes on shame and on the one shot from shame? I, Chris, I how many so at this point? How how for how many years was the screenshot of uh, <laughs> f- little Fassbender from Shame yeah, on I have, your uh, on your computer? It's still I, I saved Lil my was not the appropriate not so little <laughs> for one of those yeah. I- iMac cubes, you know? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was as I would wake it up, it would just be like bung. Yeah, screensaver. <laughs> you had a, a a moving screensaver that multiplied on your yeah. screen as many Fassbender Fass Fassbenders. Yeah. As possible. Uh, my next pick is Drive, um, which is Aww. an incredible movie and uh, has, over the course of the last nine years, gone through the complete take cycle from this is a masterpiece to this is overrated bro stylish bullshit to actually is Nicholas Winding Refn better than we thought to actually we saw his Amazon show and everybody agrees except for Me. Chris and Miles Surrey that it's bad and still Drive persists as, I think, a very effective, fascinating, beautiful, interesting, violent, dark movie with an incredible cast, great foresight into where the actors in the movie were going. And I still like watching it. So my final pick is Drive. Good pick. That goes into Wild Chris, Card. Thank you, Chris. Chris, was that going to be... No, I that actually... That wasn't on I, your list? I've kind of checked me myself. So yeah. I, I'm... Yeah. I know I know that's an important one to you. That, this also may be like where I was in my life, but... Drive was a definite thing. Like, you Huge know, moment. everyone who was interested Huge. in movies was like very interested in that and the song and the jacket. Satin and jackets, it, tiger yeah, it, shit. Yeah. And Halloween costumes. It definitely felt like a time when movies were like still very central in terms of what people were talking about, which is sad because the implication there is that it's not as much anymore. Um, Love drive. Great drive. So I have one pick left and it's Blockbuster. And I will be quite honest, I was going to take X-Men First Class, which is, will not surprise <laughs> anyone to learn. Thank um, you for admitting it. I was wondering why was. you were so obsessed with okay. that all of a sudden. Well, first of all, because I actually, I'd like it's bullshit. And, you know, Sean, Chris, you can make up rules, but Sean cannot. And I'm always going to call him on it. And um, also, I, I do like that movie because it has like the international, you know, flair to it. So Blockbusters now is kind of is interesting because all of the good stuff is taken. I think there's um, a good one out there. I don't know how you feel about these movies, but I do think there's a good one out there. Well, I think that you could be talking about one of two things. Are you talking about Rise of the Planet of the Apes? Yeah. Yeah. That one's really good. good. I do think it's good. I think it, it was my favorite of the three, and I remember seeing it and thinking that it was good, but... I, I think I'm going to go in a different direction. And maybe this is really weird because honestly, I haven't rewatched this movie since I saw it. Um, and it, I remember it being pretty screwed up at the time, but it is also really lodged in my brain. So what if I do Girl with Dragon Tattoo? Fuck yeah. Yes. I yeah. want to talk about this. Amanda, okay. this yes. might be the greatest teaser trailer ever made. Okay. Yes, it was. Yeah. I, listen, I, what I did not go back and rewatch the whole movie, but I did go back and rewatch the Enya scene because that is the scene that is lodged in my brain, which uh, if you don't recall, and I guess spoiler alert, um, Daniel Craig gets tortured in this movie and then uh, Enya's Orinoco flow starts playing. And I re- just remember at the time being like, this is even for Fincher, who you know directed this adaptation, this is like really screwed up. 
And let me tell you, that YouTube clip on a Monday morning is not something you need to bring <laughs> into your life. Let Take it from me. But, I, you know, this was such a weird moment in pop culture time because obviously those Stieg Larsson books were a big deal. And I've like read all of them. Again, not something that I can recommend to people, but I did learn a lot about open-faced sandwiches as a result. Um, that's like, I feel like that's like the one thing, the two things I remember are the Enya scene and, uh, open face sandwiches and a lot of hacking. But I, this in speaking of movies that we don't make anymore or, or replacement movies, this was just a, a big budget adaptation of a blockbuster novel directed by David Venture, starring Rooney Mara and Daniel Craig. And it was better than it needed to be. And a lot of people saw it and then we all went on our way. So I'm taking Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Great I did pick. not discuss the politics in it at all because frankly, I don't remember them and I don't know how they've aged. Um, but as a movie, it was pretty fun. Screwed the, up and fun. This is a real, we didn't know how good we had it movie. Yeah. And totally. that rewatchables totally. question of would this be a 10 minute? It definitely would. He just did this with House of Cards two years later or whatever when he was like, oh, if I want to make this kind of thing, and yeah, you could say that that was his long game for getting to make to other stuff that he wanted. But this is something that just would have been Big Little Lies, like six years later. And instead, he's like, I'm going to make a nearly three-hour mystery with like this incredible cast. Like Robin Wright, Christopher Plummer, Sean Skarsgård, like really Julian Sands, like all these people in it. I, I, I haven't seen this movie in a couple of years, but I remember the last time I saw it being like, this is really excellent. I think it was probably when you and me did the Fincher thing, Sean. Yeah. And I think it's, um, it's one of those movies that relative to that time in Fincher, maybe didn't get as much appreciation, but if any other filmmaker had made something that resembled it and had those choices in that style and that the sound and the look and had a sequence like the one that Amanda is talking about, you'd be like, well, this is just the most twisted, incredible crime thriller we've seen in a decade. And unfortunately we hold Fincher to a very high standard because of Seven and Fight Club and everything else before and after. So it's a great pick. It's a cool movie. It's a movie that um, I, I lament not being able to see his other two Dragon Tattoo movies. I really wanted to see those other two adaptations. And this movie was just not that big of a hit. It wasn't a big enough hit to justify that, unfortunately. CR, you've, you've, you've got the final pick, I believe, right? So I, well, this last one, I have um, Blockbuster, correct? You have Blockbuster. What do I want to say about myself with my pick here? <laughs> I guess I'm just going to be boring and go go with Rise. Um, yeah. The hard part about making this final pick for this particular draft is I have a cup overfloweth in the drama category. And I guess by proxy, wild, uh, wild card. But it's yeah, just, just like I, in real life. I feel like I'm we're just full of drama. Leaving a lot of really, really, really good to great movies on the table. Uh, so it pains me a little bit to do that and to to take a movie, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which I think was very good. And and the sequels were better. You know, the ones that the, the subsequent movies were better. Um, but yeah, I, I pick it with a little bit of a bittersweet feeling of like looking at some of these other movies that are sitting on the table. It's a it's an interesting pick, right? Because we were talking about the Batman, and Matt Reeves wrote this movie and then went on to direct the next two. And even though Matt Reeves had been making movies since the mid '90s in Hollywood, his screenplay for the Planet of the Apes movie and then his vision for what the rest of that series was like right. really put him in the position to to basically make a Batman movie, which is the biggest ticket you can punch in Hollywood as a mainstream filmmaker these days. And um, yeah, I think it's pretty. I think it's really solid film. Um, but you're right, Chris, we've kind of missed. And before we recap everybody's picks, we didn't get a chance to talk about a lot of very good, those kind of replacement level movies that you're talking about. Like just a few off the top of my head. Hannah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Ides of March. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which even though you guys both love the miniseries and of course the novels, I really I might be, I might like the movie the most out of the three of us. It's um, definitely like the the most accessible if you haven't. Yeah, Although I, I I remember seeing it. I saw it at Cobble Hill Theaters um, Cinemas by myself. And I was just like, I don't know what happened in this because I had not read read the novel yet. <laughs> but that's okay because there's like a there's a nice vibe to it and, and such a great cast. There's some big ones that we didn't talk about here. One is Warrior, 
which I, I have maybe have some regrets about not going after. I love Warrior. We didn't talk about the Tree of Life. Terrence Malick's. Is it a masterpiece? I don't know. It's got masterpiece elements and, and Margin Call, which might be the most watchable movie of this year. And Chris and I were just trading links back and forth last night to YouTube scenes from Margin Call. Ridiculous rewatchable movie. It's so weird, too, that it's like it's so dry and it's so jargon heavy. And all the actors in it, you're just like, oh, so Demi Moore is the financial like, compliance expert, you know, but and it just works on so many levels. It's so gripping. Any other movies, Amanda, that you want to shout out before we move on? Yeah, I had a couple on the wildcard list. Uh, Jane Eyre, the mm. speaking of Michael Fassbender and, and speaking always of Carrie Joji Fukunaga. Um, and also Margaret was 2011. And speaking of uh, movies that I saw with my now husband, that was our first official date. We'd gone to a couple of press screenings together, but he was like, would you like to go on a date? And we went to Cafe Mogador and then we saw the 9 p.m. screening of Margaret at the Quad Cinema. And then it was over at midnight. And that was just a real staring at a person sitting next to you being like, what now? So... Did you get engaged right there? <laughs> No. Amanda, that is up there with our nameless but collective friend who took a, I think, blind date to four months, three weeks, and two days. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That, it is really up there. I mean, like, we, I remember that, as I said, we saw it at the Quad Cinema and then we went back to Park Slope afterwards. And it was just like a silent taxi ride back to Commodore. Everyone's just like, I don't know what to say at this point. Uh, but we survived. Also, just a, a great film. I love Margaret as well. Can I My shout Margaret, out a couple? Yeah, of course, Chris. Uh, wait, are we done picking? We are done picking. Okay, so I just wanted to shout out. You, you guys mentioned a bunch of them, but uh, I just wanted to shout out um, Take Shelter, the, the Jeff Nichols, uh, Michael Shannon movie, which definitely feels very relevant right now. Um, great Chastain performance in that movie. I also really love, um, you know, I gotta say, like, I haven't watched it in a while, but I really was like, I was watching a bunch of YouTube clips and I remember really liking 50-50 and a couple of really the good. like, kind of like, yeah, it is really good. Mid-level comedy, comedy dramas from around this, like Your Highness, 50-50, uh, I, 30 minutes or less was pretty bad, but like, I remember seeing a bunch of these movies in the theater and being very excited for them. And probably the best one that was in the comedy, action, whatever uh, genre was maybe Attack the Block. Yeah, great movie. And the other one that has sort of been lost to time from this year is Bellflower. Yes, yes. The Evan Glodell independent movie. There's a few more too. I mean, the it's it, you could make the case that the best movie that was released in America in 2011 is Certified Copy. I was Kurostami's oh, yeah. movie with Juliette Binoche, which is just an incredible film. I would recommend it to anybody. Um, D. Reese's Pariah is this year. Um, what what else is in this year? Senna, the great sports documentary about Artisan Senna, the the race car driver. Amanda, uh, did you J like Lincoln Lawyer? I really. We didn't talk about Limitless. We didn't talk about Lincoln Lawyer, and we didn't talk about just like movie stars getting weird. Yeah, and 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 making. Fairly big budget studio quote dramas that uh, just didn't need to be made, but gave us a lot of memes. And that was both Lincoln Lawyer and 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 Bradley Cooper in Limitless. It's wild because when you see Philippi in Lincoln Lawyer, it's like that's the last time anyone dressed like that. <laughs> <laughs> this is also the year of both uh, No Strings Attached and friends with benefits, which mm -hmm. was just like a very weird thing that happened. And also probably if the rom-com was not already dead, uh, that's why, even though there are little aspects of both those movies and particularly no strings attached that I think are, um, a bit maligned, but yeah, a, a weird year for big studio rom-coms that have exactly the same premise and then <laughs> are not beloved. And then we don't get to have rom-coms anymore. I, I always wanted to see, wasn't the original script for No Strings Attached called Fuck Buddies? Yeah. It was Meriwether's script. That was like one yes. of the great spec scripts out in Hollywood. And it obviously, when Ivan Reitman came on, they kind of commercialized it a bit. But that I always mm -hmm. want, I always wished that Liz Meriwether got to be more like Patty Chayevsky or something, or at least Nora Ephron or, you know, Albert Brooks, somebody who had like a very distinct point of view and got to make movies with that point of view because I always thought it was so funny. And she obviously went on to do New Girl and had a lot of success. But 
I always was into the idea of like a more transgressive kind of romantic comedy. Um, a lot of good movies that year. A young adult, beginners, um, Killer Joe, like Chris is limitless, which was an inspiration to him. That's what got him to move out to LA and change his life. You know, you grew your hair out and you got in shape and you just changed everything overnight. It was impressive. Um, let's go through our picks. So six categories, six picks each. Drama. Amanda has contagion. Chris has Moneyball. I have the raid. Comedy or horror. Amanda has Bridesmaids. Chris has your sister's sister. I have the cabin in the woods. Blockbuster. Amanda has the girl with the dragon tattoo. Chris has Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I have Captain America, the first Avenger. Animated or foreign language. Amanda has a separation. I have Rango. Chris has Oslo, August 31, which is just... Just an um, incredible category. I'll I'll never get over that for as long as I live. Uh, (laughs) For Wildcard, Amanda has Melancholia. Chris has Haywire, and I have Drive. Chris, this is some performance from you, but... uh, And then Sequel. (laughs) In Sequel, Amanda has Fast Five. Chris has Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, and I have X-Men First Class. I fucking killed it. Not a sequel. (laughs) (laughs) It's a prequel, Uh, which is different. How are you guys... How are you feeling? Are you feeling like you could do eight more of these with me over the course of the next eight months? Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. I was also honestly, I, because I, if we do them, we're going to do the rest of this decade as I understand it. But I, I was honestly thinking like doing an, a 95 or some draft that I barely remember would be, or have like specific childhood memories of. We should do our birth years. Pretty fun. Oh yeah, Ooh. that would be good. Draft that our birth years. Yeah. That's a great one. Well, for Chris, for you, that what's that like 1944? That's <laughs> yeah. like Mrs. Miniver and what it else is in there? It was great because like Capra and Hawks were coming back from the war. <laughs> <laughs> Fucker. Oh, that's good. You really you put the you put the wiffle ball on the tee and you handed me a titanium bat and you said hit it. Um okay, so you got who you Amanda, you feel like you won? I got everything I wanted except for Moneyball, which I really wanted. With all respect to um my number one guy, Steven Soderbergh. I wanted uh, Moneyball in that I category. Thought it was me. I thought it was your yeah. number one guy. <laughs> CR, you you feel you feel good I with feel your picks. I feel fantastic about it. These you are feel actually like Billy Bean. All the movies that I really wanted, except for a few that I really wanted. But I I feel really good. <laughs> I I wasn't forced. I was worried that I was going to walk out of here with like Dark of the Moon. You know what I mean? That I was going to be like the the Optimus Prime killed JFK, and I was going to have to do a big bit on that. And I'm I'm glad I got to to put that in the trash bin. Just to recap one more time, Chris, you, so you had you had the help, Puss in Boots, <laughs> Rio, Transformers, Dark of the Moon. You you had uh, the Adjustment Bureau. We didn't even talk about the Adjustment Bureau. And uh, oh yeah, and and Midnight in Paris. You want so, you said you really wanted to get a Woody movie in there. One of these year, one of these times for these drafts, <laughs> I am gonna fuck it up and do that. Just because if you keep making this joke, Chris, you've already done it twice. <laughs> You're mad that I took a really beautiful no. movie about heroin. No, I love you very much. I just, I, your, your strategy this, is listen, incredible to me. This was... Who this am I trying ex- to impress? This is so much better than Never Let Me Go and Jackass 1-2, which is still like I left my body when that happened. I can't believe that that was your strategy. I know, but this is like the real CR heads are going to be like, he's sold out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sure when they see your sister's sister, they're going to think he's sold out. <laughs> okay. uh, if if you liked the loosely ar- ar- anarchic energy of this podcast, uh, I hope you'll tune in later this week when Chris will be returning to the show along with Annie Greenwald. First time, I think, on the big picture. Greenwald? Oh, my God. I, I, I think really? so. Yeah, it might be. And, uh, he doesn't and, really and, see very many movies, so... Just from That's a numbers true. perspective. He, he really liked Burning, which is a film that came out in 2018, which we're okay. very happy about. Love Andy. Can't wait to have him on the show. And, we'll, and Amanda and I will be on, on the watch as well. So yes. uh, stay tuned for that later this week. Chris and Amanda, thank you so much, guys. 